Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. All right, I'm going to do some stuff today on the show. They probably say it's really bad radio. Like, Steve, what are you doing? That, that's really not great radio. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Uh, my, the, I, I do to a certain extent. Don't get me wrong. I need to do a good job. I owe you that. I owe the Lord that. Uh, but I've, I'm not always going to follow what uh, would make for, quote-unquote, good radio. So today, as I mentioned yesterday, welcome back, by the way, for those of you that are regular listeners. Um, this is Steve Noble. Today, Yesterday I said, okay, I'm going to uh, chew through more of the Barbie movie and talk about it more today. And then there was a couple other stories I wanted to get into. But uh, then I came across this story earlier today. I don't even remember how it got on my radar screen. I'm just uh, chalking it up to the Lord, as usual, uh, in the Washington Post. And the title caught my attention, to say the least. An abortion ban made them teen parents. This is life two years later. Uh, this is pretty long. And I'm going to read you. This is a story. And I'm going to read you the entire thing. Now, I'll, I'm pretty good at reading stuff online and, and on the air. So I'll... I'll make it interesting, and I'll use vocal inflections and stuff like that. But uh, th- there's a lot in here to chew on, and I just want to uh, ha- invite you uh, to join me as we marinate in the reality of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Now, this is from the Washington Post. There's definitely an angle in here about uh, the uh, the the unfairness from a certain perspective of the abortion reversal and then the subsequent uh, abortion bans for the most part in a lot of states up to about 14 states including texas which is where this couple is from and uh but having gone uh, and continue to go down this road as a family and i've mentioned that before in, in our uh, grandsons and uh, our, our son, who's going to be uh, getting married here pretty soon. And uh, we praise the Lord for a lot of things, but it hasn't been easy. And uh, I, and I've, I've shared this a little bit. I'm not going to unpack all of it on the air or publicly, but I've shared a little bit in the past. I, I, I would say when our pro-life chickens came home to roost uh, a little over two and a half years ago, and all of a sudden, the, an unplanned pregnancy is a part of your family's story and reality. And uh, children are a blessing from the Lord, and that's true. Uh, but it's not without challenges and uh, prices to be paid and high mountains and rough roads to climb and to travel. And, uh, and I think we need to really be, as, as followers of Christ and pro-life people, uh, much more aware and, and rounding out our understanding of what it means to be pro-life and to support those that... Uh, get themselves into these unplanned pregnancy situations. So so there's just a the, God just really arrested my attention on this one earlier today and I just knew I had to share this. Uh and we'll see if I have any time at the end of the show to talk about it, but I just want you to travel down this road with me and walk into the life of these two young people who would have gotten an abortion uh but couldn't. And now here they are two two years later. 
Okay, so I think it's important that we all hear this and consider it. Brooke High was not ready to face her family. Sitting on the edge of her bed, her hair dripping wet, the 19-year-old listened to her twin daughters cry in their high chairs on the other side of the door. One hurled what sounded like a plate, then a bottle. Her husband, Billy High, also 19, was supposed to be watching them. But Brooke could hear one of his TV shows playing on his phone. She waited a few minutes, reminding herself of everything their marriage counselor had told her. Treat your partner as you would want to be treated. Soften your tone. Don't yell. She heard Billy finally take the girls out of their chairs. Then came a loud splash. Brooke rushed toward the sound of her daughters, stepping over flecks of scrambled eggs and Pop-Tarts from the girls' breakfast. One of the twins ran out of the bathroom, crying and drenched in toilet water. I told you to put the dishes in the dishwasher, and you stood here for 30 minutes, Brooke said to Billy. And then, while you weren't watching the girls, they got into the toilet. Are you going to give them a bath, she said. When Brooke met Billy at a skate park in Corpus Christi, Texas, in May of 2021, she could not have predicted any piece of the life she was now living. She's been gearing up for a real estate school, enjoying long days at the beach with her new boyfriend. Then, she found out she was three months pregnant. And because of a new law, she could no longer get an abortion in Texas. The closest clinic that could see her was in New Mexico, a 13-hour drive away. She gave birth to Kendall and Olivia six months later. For many readers, Brooke and Billy's story was a Rorschach test, with each side of the abortion debate claiming the teenagers' experiences as validation of their own views. Senator Ted Cruz called the story powerfully pro-life. Abortion rights advocates decried the Texas law that compelled an ambitious young woman to abandon her education and raise two kids on the $9.75 an hour her then-boyfriend made working at a burrito restaurant. People on both sides of the issue donated more than $80,000 to a GoFundMe account that Brooke created, providing a financial cushion the couple says has kept them out of debt. At the center of the abortion debate is the question of how an unwanted pregnancy carried to term reverberates through the lives of those directly involved. The study conducted by a pro-abortion rights research group at the University of California at San Francisco included interviews with nearly 1,000 women over the course of eight years. The study, which was a book in 2020, found that women who are denied abortions experience worse financial, health, and family outcomes than those who are able to end their pregnancies. Brooke's future is still uncertain. After her daughters were born, she and Billy got married and moved into a two-bedroom apartment more than 1,000 miles away from South Texas, the only home they'd ever known. If they didn't have the babies, Brooke and Billy both concede that they probably wouldn't still be together. Their teen romance would have flamed and faded. Remembered by, you know, a few Instagram posts and the pink-wheeled skateboard Billy chose for Brooke at the skate shop by the bay. Now, with two children, they are permanently linked. Brooke is proud of the decisions she and Billy have made for their family. Billy is now a mechanic for the Air Force, where he enlisted so he could secure a steady income for his family, while Brooke cares for the girls full-time. The twins are healthy and happy, absorbed by weekly swim lessons and the bedtime stories Brooke and Billy read aloud every night. At their one-year checkup, Brooke swelled with pride when the doctor called her daughters really smart. But standing in her kitchen one morning in late May, listening to Billy run the bath for the twins, Brooke also recognized how quickly it could all fall apart. She and Billy fought often about the messes he left her to clean, the hours he spent playing video games, and she knew they couldn't manage without his $60,000 a year military salary. She dropped out of the real estate school without another career plan in mind. It's a little bit scary, Brooke said. Billy and I haven't been together that long. Pick it up there when we come back. 
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, doing some uh, what many would call bad radio today. I'm reading you an entire article. It's important. An abortion ban made them teen parents. This is life two years later. Talking about Brooke and Billy High. They were 19 at the time. It's two years later. And this is their story as we are on this side of the uh, reversal of Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs case, and now uh, up to 14 states, uh, ban- uh, for the most part, banning most, if not all, abortions. And the reality of what happens when you're caught up in that, uh, an unplanned pregnancy. And for this couple, they lived in Texas, the nearest place they could get an abortion because Texas had a, had a retroactive, ready-to-go um, abortion ban, for the most part, six weeks, um, heartbeat bill. And 13-hour drive away in New Mexico, and they couldn't do it. And so they had twins. Okay, this is uh, Brooke and Billy High. This is two years later. It's a little bit scary, she said. Billy and I haven't been together that long. Okay, he joined uh, the military so that he could get that salary, $60,000 a year. It's pretty good, isn't it? In order to be able to support his young family. She doesn't understand why some anti-abortion activists see them as the ultimate success story. It doesn't make sense to me that we would be that shining example. Their lives, she said, were so imperfect. In their Tampa apartment, Brooke could hear Billy blowing kisses to Kendall and Olivia as they sloshed around in the bathtub, shrieking in delight. It was one of the things she loved most about him. He could always make them laugh. Brooke gave her husband a half smile when he reappeared in the doorway, a small reminder, she hoped, that she was still the freckle-faced girl he'd fallen for, not just the angry mother always making demands. After Billy graduated from basic training for the Air Force last summer, the family moved across the country in the fall for his new job at a Florida military base. Brooke and Billy made the long journey from Texas to Tampa just after Thanksgiving last year. They packed everything they owned into a U-Haul and drove 18 hours toward the promise of a new life. Brooke couldn't imagine a better military assignment. Florida was blue skies and theme parks, long sandy beaches with turquoise waves, far from her mother's judgment and the same roads she'd driven down thousands of times. In the passenger seat, she tried to absorb the changing landscape speeding past her window, the French spellings in Louisiana, a sign that welcomed her to sweet home Alabama, the towering pine trees she craned her neck to see as they finally crossed into Florida. In 19 years, Brooke had spent just one week outside Texas. We're moving to Florida, she or Billy would say out loud every few hours, flashing the other a big smile. They were really leaving, she kept thinking to herself. Even with two babies, she'd made it out. For a few weeks, Tampa was bliss. Brooke made frequent trips to Target, happily selecting items to furnish their first home together, pots and silverware, a shower curtain covered in pink flowers. She felt that she was doing everything right as she chopped vegetables on her granite countertop, preparing a healthy meal for her family. In the evenings, after Billy got home from the base, they'd sometimes take a picnic to a nearby soccer field, letting the girls run in circles while they lay on their backs and looked up at the sky. I love you, she'd tell him at least once a day. Billy would respond as he always had. Love you more. Then, slowly, Brooke felt something shifting between them. At first, she blamed a change in Billy's schedule. He switched to working nights, leaving her alone with the babies from 2 p.m. until 11. I felt more able to take care of them, Billy said about getting his Air Force job. Every time he walked out the door in his uniform, she felt crushed by the prospect of the next nine hours. The babies were too mobile to take them almost anywhere without help. At the playground, they would shoot off in different directions, Olivia clawing her way up the jungle gym stairs, while Kendall teetered on the edge of the platform, and Brooke couldn't be in two places at once. Her life quickly started to feel like an endless cycle of tasks, entirely predictable and stretching out into infinity. Cook lunch, clean up, 
play with the girls, put the girls down for a nap, change diapers, cook dinner, clean up, repeat. To get through it, Brooke would play reruns of Friends on the TV in the background, comforted by the voices of characters she felt like she knew in a city where she knew almost no one. In her first two months in Tampa, she watched all ten seasons. Brooke missed her husband desperately, but as the weeks wore on, she worried he wasn't missing her back. She tried to keep her texts casual. Hey, how's your day? Hoping he would respond with the validation she needed. I miss you, baby, or just a few hours until we're together again. Instead, he'd dash off a quick, works good, or it's fine. Once Billy got home, he was often too tired to talk. Sometimes she would call her dad, Jeremy Alexander, for advice, worried about how Billy seemed to check out other girls. Just like Billy, Alexander had his first child, Brooke's older brother, as an 18-year-old skater kid in Corpus Christi, Texas. Look, boys are boys, he would often tell her. Give him time to be a man. Brooke was eager, eager to give her life structure, to put concrete plans on the calendar and break up the long days. She thought about going back to school, but it didn't seem possible with the girls at home. She worried about leaving them with strangers, and they couldn't afford daycare anyway. The GoFundMe money, which had been used in part to furnish their apartment and pay off Brooke's car, was already running low. Again, I am reading from an article I just uh, found and read earlier today, thank the Lord. An abortion ban made them teen parents. It's about Billy and Brooke High. They were 19 when they had twins. This is two years later. So we're understanding their story, giving a, a look inside of that decision that they didn't really have. They couldn't drive to New Mexico and get the abortion, so they had the babies. In Texas, they couldn't have an abortion because it had become against the law, right? Eventually, back to the article, she posted a message on a Facebook group for local military wives. My name is Brooke, and these are my twin daughters, she wrote, attaching pictures of her and the girls. We moved her in December and haven't had any luck finding friends. If anybody would like to get coffee, work out, or have a play date, please let me know. Until she arrived in Tampa... Brooke hadn't fully appreciated how much support she had in Corpus Christi. They'd lived with Billy's dad, and her mom was a 10-minute drive away. Someone was always around to watch Kendall and Olivia. Brooke thought she and Billy needed time to reconnect. A few softly lit hours away from the babies, laughing with each other, lingering long after dessert. She was thrilled when the new friend volunteered to babysit. When Brooke arrived at her friend's house on the night of the date, she said, she noticed a few extra cars parked outside. Her friend's husband opened the door with a bottle of tequila in his hand, a group of people drinking in the room behind him. Brooke recalled handing over the girls, trying to focus on the night ahead. The deep conversation and the romance. She'd spent over an hour getting ready, pulling her hair back with a ribbon and donning the flowery sundress she'd worn the day they got married. I think they're going to be fine, Billy recalled, assuring her as they drove away. But Brooke couldn't shake the image of her baby girls plopped in an unfamiliar place, reaching for their mother. I'm just not okay with it. She said, we have to turn around. Again, I'm reading from this article in the Washington Post. I'll post it right now on Facebook Live and Rumble. An abortion ban made them teen parents. And there's obviously some ideology in this article from the Washington Post. It's a long read, but an important one to take us into the world of what happens now that Dobbs overturned Roe versus Wade, and now that we have 13, 14 states with an abortion ban, some of them a six-week ban, which is basically an outright ban, and now all of a sudden couples, and like young couples like these two, Brooke and her husband now, the highs, uh, had the babies, and they had twins. So twice as difficult, one could say. And now that we have this world in some of the states in this nation, 
how often do we uh, round out our pro-life thinking? And again, for, for me, for our family, this became a reality a couple years ago with our son. And so that changed how I look at abortion, not the issue itself. I haven't given up an inch on the issue of abortion. But I've certainly, uh, God certainly brought a, another level of compassion into my life and my heart and my mind and my words on the issue. Because we want people to keep their babies, do we not? But there's a big challenge on the other side of that. We celebrate when they make the decision to keep the baby. But do we show up when they begin the long road of parenting? This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. We'll pick it up there when we come back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, taking you through a story that definitely arrested my attention earlier today. It was in the Washington Post. An abortion ban made them teen parents. This is like two years later. And this is uh, the story of Billy and Brooke High. They were 19 when they had their twin daughters. And this story from The Washington Post, very, very long, and uh, which I appreciate them printing it, putting it in and putting it out there. And just uh, felt that I should share this whole story. Uh, we have some personal experience with this story, not them, but our own family. And so that that's one reason it resonated with me. I asked my friends, uh, those of you on Facebook and Rumble, how many of you have had personal experience with an unplanned pregnancy, whether it's you, uh, son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, and a number of people say about a third uh, in terms of people that said, yes, I, I have experience with this. So a, a lot of us do. Uh, most of us don't, but a lot of us do. And uh, and so that's where I just want to because it, it, it because the pro-life chickens came home to roost in our own family experience in the last couple of years. Uh, it's it's broadened my thinking on the abortion issue. I, I haven't given a ground, like I said before, I haven't given an inch on the realities of abortion, the realities that abortion is, in fact, murder, that there's really never really I don't believe there's ever a case for that. You never kill somebody else in order to solve your problem, even if your problem is the, the risking of your own life. Uh, you cannot make an ethical statement uh, position on that. Plus the value of human life, the scripture makes it abundantly clear uh, that that child at all levels of development, as soon as it's conceived, is a human being and uh, known by God, protected by God, and expected to live by God. And so that's the end of the story. But the compassion side and the understanding side and understanding why so many people uh, run to the abortion clinic to, quote unquote, take care of the problem. Uh, when we ask them, hey, save your baby, save your baby, keep your baby, keep your baby. But most of us kind of, we go back to our lives after that. And they don't, if they decide to keep that baby, their lives are never going to be the same, especially if they're young, they don't have any sport, they don't have any money, which is why a lot of them run to the abortion clinic. They don't want to deal with the consequences of their actions. But where are we? Where are we when they make that decision? Are we still there? And many people are. I love my friends at Love Life and all the pregnancy uh, care centers I know we've been involved with are like, hey, we, we want to walk with you. And that's them. They're on the front lines. But what about the rest of us? Are we praying? Lord, help me to be a part of the solution here. So the story about Billy and Brooke, now we turn to Billy. Billy put his hands on his knees and looked down at the concrete quarter pipe, the hot Florida sun beating down on his back. He tried the same skateboard trick at least 30 times already, his phone perched on a nearby ledge, recording every failure. Commit or go home, he said to himself in an empty skate park at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Commit, right here. But it was hard to commit without his friends around him. 
And they'd always been in, and they'd always been in Corpus back in Corpus Christi, Texas. Sometimes he'd try to zero in on a stranger passing by. This one's for you, he'd say under his breath, telling himself they were watching even when he knew they weren't. Their marriage counselor had encouraged Billy and Brooke to take time for themselves. For him, a trip to the skate park. For her, an hour working out at the gym. They'd started seeing the counselor in April after one of their worst fights. And while Billy appreciated the counselor's advice, he still felt a little guilty every time he came uh, to the park, especially in moments like this, struggling to land tricks he'd done before. He wondered whether skating was worth the extra hours away. Back home, Billy had proudly counted himself among the Corpus Christi park rats, often heading to the skate park around noon with a tripod and a Tupperware watermelon. His friends would scream his name when he pulled up in his car, coming over to talk through the tricks they might try together. When the skating was good, they'd stay for eight hours, leaving well after the sun went down. Billy and Brooke met at a skate park in Corpus Christi, Texas, where they would spend days hanging out with a big group of friends. Before he met Brooke two years ago, Billy had planned to live in Corpus forever, skating with his friends whenever they weren't working. Then, Brooke got pregnant. At first, he wanted her to get an abortion, but he wasn't going to push. It was Billy's idea to join the military. He wasn't excited about it, but he couldn't see another way to support a wife and twins. Everyone in his life, his parents, his favorite teacher, told him it was the right thing to do. So Billy committed, marrying Brooke at the courthouse last summer and signing an Air Force enlistment contract that would keep him in uniform for the next six years. That was something he'd learned from skateboarding. You go for it, or you don't. Soon Billy was waking up to a loudspeaker at 5 a.m. at a basic training camp in San Antonio, hustled out of bed with 43 other guys to do push-ups and run circles around a track. Every day he stood at attention, head shaved, right arm outstretched, and for what felt like hours waiting for an instructor to look over him from head to toe. At night, Billy would lie in his cot and think of his girls back in Corpus Christi. Kendall and Olivia had just turned four months old enough to wrap their tiny hands around his index finger. He would imagine Brooke's blonde curls wishing he could get her advice on whatever he'd struggled with that day. His wife, he said, was one of the smartest people he knew. I miss you and our beautiful girls so much to the point that whenever I think of y'all, my eyes water, it feels like I need to cry, he wrote in a letter after his first week of basic training. I think about you every day, and I wonder what you're thinking of. Before he left to go back to Corpus, Billy got Kendall and Olivia's names tattooed on his chest. Returning home in his military fatigues, he wasn't the kid at the skate park anymore. He was the man ready to show his commitment. I felt more able to take care of them, he said. I felt like I could do anything if I wanted to. Six months into his life in Florida, Billy felt proud to flash his credentials at the base gates. As an airman first class, he spent hours every day burrowed deep inside his assigned plane inspecting the electrical and hydraulic systems. After two months of technical school, he could help fix most problems and send the plane on its way. But as much as Billy appreciated his new job, there were moments when he allowed himself to imagine a different life. If he didn't have kids, he might be sharing an apartment with a few friends from the skate park, he said, moving on from the burrito place to Walmart, where the pay was better. Skating every day, partying at night, no worries. Those thoughts usually surfaced after Brooke yelled at him. Sometimes Billy knew he deserved it. He acknowledged that he probably did play too many video games. But other times, he really didn't feel like he, did. he didn't. They would fight about money, especially toward the end of the month when they had to dip into savings for groceries. Most often, he said, they would fight about the babies, with Brooke accusing him of not doing his fair share. Once you're put under all that pressure, you don't want to be there anymore, Billy said. Some nights, he would go sit in his hot car, the lights in the engine turned off so Brooke couldn't see him. There, he would consider the logistics of leaving where the girls would go. To keep them with him, he'd have to switch to a day shift and figure out a way to pay for daycare. More likely, Brooke would take the girls back to Corpus. She would be miserable, he thought. 
probably living with her mom and resenting her lack of freedom raising two babies alone. And he would be without them. Billy said he loved being a dad. He liked to lie on the floor of the girl's room and feel the weight of his daughters as they climbed on his chest. When he threw them up in the air and caught them in his arms, they looked at him like he was the most important person in the world. Kendall and Olivia made him feel good about himself and the choices he'd made. Walking through the aisles at the grocery store, tattooed arms holding two baby girls, he knew people were looking at him, impressed. He was proud of all the ways he defied their expectations. After an hour at the empty skate park, Billy was ready to head home. His daughters met him at the door, holding up their arms for him to lift them up. Billy, will you put him to bed? Brooke asked. Of all the chores in his new life, this was one of his favorites. One at a time, he held his daughters to his chest, kissed them on the cheek, and laid them down. When Book arrived for the girls' weekly swim lesson, the other mothers were already in the pool. No matter how much extra time she allotted somehow, she and Billy were always late. I'm so sorry, Brooke said, holding Olivia as she lowered herself under four feet of tepid water. Brooke nodded vigorously as the swim coach rehashed the first round of instructions, eager to do exactly as she was told. She was acutely aware of the three other moms in black one-pieces, who all looked around 30. Between activities, they would chat among themselves, discussing their favorite jewelry stores and the habits of their doctor husbands. Brooke wanted to impress them, to prove to them that the 19-year-old in a white bikini was actually a great mom. This is the article. I'm just reading through this entire article uh, from the Washington Post. An abortion ban made them teen parents. This is life two years later. Just to help us all round out our pro-life perspective. Keep the baby, keep the baby. Then there's a lot of reality after that, is there not? If they keep the baby, praise the Lord. But do we just go back into our regular lives, or are we there for these people? While Billy had grown accustomed to approving smiles, Brooke knew to expect judgment everywhere she went. Receptionists whispered to each other when she walked in for medical appointments, wide eyes shifting from her to the twins. She'd always wonder whether they could tell how young she was, if they somehow knew she dropped out of high school. Even her own mother, who helped convince her to have the baby, still seemed to judge the way Brooke was raising them. When they spoke on FaceTime, her mom would sometimes criticize the clothes Brooke chose for them or the way she did her, their hair. Just once, Brooke wished she could brave enough to say out loud the words she rehearsed when she was alone. Brooke's mother, Terry Thomas, said she is very proud of Brooke and Billy. They're doing an amazing job as parents and as young adults, she wrote in a text message. Brooke was determined to do a better job than her own parents who she said sometimes left her to care for herself. Her dad gave her a cell phone at age 10, she, she, she and her father recalled, allowing her to hole up in her room for hours staring at a screen, age 10. Soon after that, she said, she got a Facebook message from a much older guy who seemed friendly. A few days later, when she was asked for a naked picture, Brooke sent them one, 10 years old. I'll never forget about that, she said. I saw a lot of things I shouldn't have seen things I never want them to see, talking about her twin daughters. More than almost anything else from her childhood, Brooke said, she remembered the arguments, people throwing things through windows and punching walls. Someone was always yelling. One thing Brooke says she wants for her girls, parents, who stay together. <clears throat> All right, this is, uh, I'll finish up this article in the last segment. It might have some time for some uh, comments. But again, just reading this full story, which I know... Most people in the business would say it's bad radio, Steve. You can't do that. Well, I'm doing it anyway because I think it's important to understand, to step into the life of a young couple. Unplanned pregnancy, twins, two years later, it's not easy. Maybe you've been down that road yourself. Maybe we should be down more of them. We'll be right back. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, walking you through an entire long article today, which I know some people would say, it's bad radio, Steve. I don't care. It's an important story that uh, we all need to contemplate. This young couple, Billy and Brooke High, they were in Texas. They got pregnant. Uh, uh, they were going to have uh, twins. They, they, she thought about abortion. He thought about abortion, but didn't want to push it. But this was on the other side of the Dobbs decision. And all of a sudden, in Texas, abortion's illegal. They would have to drive 13 uh, hours to get to New Mexico to get an abortion. They just couldn't do it. So they had these twin girls. And uh, this is their life two years later, trying to uh, encourage all of us to round out our understanding of our pro-life position and the need to stay with it once a couple or a young woman says, "Um, all right, I'm going to keep this baby. Uh, There's a lot more that needs to happen after that. Uh, It's a tough road. So this is why we're reading through this story of Billy and Brooke High. As she watched the girls sleep, Brooke would think through the promises she'd made to them. Kendall and Olivia would always feel safe in their home. They would wake up every day and know without a doubt how much they were loved. But there were other things Brooke wanted for her daughters that she could not control or guarantee. At the top of the list, two parents who loved each other, or at the very least, parents who stayed together. Brooke still thought about the night back in March when Billy suggested they split up. The fight had started at the beach when Brooke's Billy, when Brooke saw Billy's eyes lingering on a girl in a bikini. He denied looking at the girl, promising he wasn't interested in anyone else, which just made Brooke angrier. You're not going to gaslight me when I saw you doing it, Brooke remembered saying as they drove home, twins in the back seat. Brooke had worried about the other girls ever since they got together. Anxious about losing Billy, she fixated on every pretty girl she knew from work or messaged on Snapchat. Especially now that she and her daughters relied on him completely, her deepest fear was that he might find someone he liked better. Back at their apartment, Brooke wasn't interested in hearing Billy's apologies. I don't want to see you, she remembered saying. I don't want to sleep next to you. Then Billy came right out with it. I think we should get a divorce. They both froze as soon as he said it, they each recalled, absorbing the shock of hearing something they both privately considered, but assumed they'd never say out loud. How is it that that's even an option at this point, Brooke said. Where am I going to go? What's going to happen to us? Billy got quiet, then left to go sit in his car. Brooke and Billy rarely think about the new laws that led them to this moment. Even on June 24th, the first anniversary of the Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, the abortion issue was just a passing thought. If I see it on the news, I'm like, yeah, that's why I have two kids today, Billy said. I think that for like a split second that I move on. Me too, Brooke said. I don't really dwell on it. If you're planning on having a kid, if you're, if you're not planning on having a kid, Billy said, abortion is much cheaper than raising people. The new laws, he added, create not a good situation to be in. But then he thought about Kendall and Olivia and shook his head. I don't know, he said. I'm tired. In the almost two years since Brooke and Billy ran up against the Texas abortion law, a novel statute that circumvented Roe months before it was overturned, more than a dozen other states have halted all or most abortions. The Texas law, which banned the procedure after about six weeks of pregnancy, has likely resulted in, according to a recent study, making uh, thousands of babies born, making Brooke and Billy an early example of a family compelled into existence by an abortion ban. It's too early to know how many babies were actually born because of the fall of Roe. Now we're getting towards the end. Back in August 2021, Brooke called an abortion clinic as soon as she found out that she was pregnant. But it had no open slots, overwhelmed with patients racing to end their pregnancies before the new law took effect less than 48 hours later. Instead, Brooke got an ultrasound at a local crisis pregnancy center, not knowing that it was an anti-abortion organization. Remember, this is the Washington Post, okay? There, employees told her she was 12 weeks along, far enough into her pregnancy, they said that the babies had heartbeats. She decided not to make the drive to New Mexico. Now at home in Tampa, Brooke stared at the wall, clutching a pillow to her chest. If I would have had the abortion, 
She stopped. I can't even think of it that way now, she said. Those are our babies, and they're people. Still, Brooke said, she felt sick thinking of all the young girls forced to carry pregnancies they didn't want. If you really didn't want something and then you're forced to go through with it, it's still really very hard, she said. Billy has talked to, uh, has, has, Billy has started to talk about having a son. Brooke says she would want to make for sure that their relationship is strong. Lately, Billy has started to uh, keep kicking this around. He wants a sidekick for what he called boy things. When Brooke thought about it, sometimes the idea of another kid didn't seem so crazy. After their fight in March, Brooke and Billy had started weekly marriage counseling sessions. With the girls asleep in the next room, they'd sit in bed and FaceTime with the counselor. Brooke's phone propped up on a plastic bin. The counselor offered concrete suggestions for how to work through their conflict and move forward. Billy should try to be more communicative. Brooke, more trusting. The sessions seemed to be helping, Brooke said. She and Billy were talking more, laying plans for their future. They would live in a blue house with a white fence one day, they'd recently decided, with a porch swing and a skate ramp in the backyard. The twins would follow their dad outside with pink skateboards and matching pink helmets. But it was too early to be sure of any of that. Before Brooke brought another child into their family, she said she needed to know their foundation was strong. As soon as the girls were born, she'd gone to her doctor to get an IUD. She had no plans to remove it. Brooke sat cross-legged on her bed and stared at her phone. Any second, it would light up with an unknown number. She'd been rehearsing what she would say all day. Be confident, she'd written in her notes app that morning. Call within two minutes if they don't call. The call was with a career coach. One of the final steps required to sign up for an online education program for military spouses. If she completed the recommended 20 hours of work every week, Brooke learned, she could become a licensed personal trainer and nutritionist in less than five months and then start earning $25 an hour. Since she moved to Tampa, she'd seen the same advertisement pop up on her phone again and again. A photo of a man in uniform lifting up a woman in keds and skinny jeans. No cost for education, the ad said. For months, Brooke had stopped herself from clicking on it. Why get all excited if she couldn't make it work? But lately, she had started to think about school differently, less as a luxury, more as a way to reclaim power over her life. She attributed at least some of her newfound resolve to Judge Judy, whom she'd watched regularly since she was a kid. Sometimes, after a fight with Billy, she would hear the judge's voice in her head as she remembered it. Always make sure you can support yourself, Brooke recalled her saying to women who appeared in her courtroom. Do not put yourself in a vulnerable position. As optimistic as Brooke felt after each counseling session with Billy, she knew there were still no guarantees. When the call came, Brooke picked up the second ring. She told the coach why she wanted to be a personal trainer just as she'd practice. I think it would be a good fit for me, she said. As for goals, I'd love to complete the program, pass my exam, and just learn a whole bunch of new things I didn't know before. The program would help her find a job, the career coach promised. But when he walked her through a preliminary search for personal trainer positions in Tampa, nothing came up. No, I don't see, the coach said. There's a hairstylist, personal assistance provider. Brooke tried not to feel discouraged. When she hung up and Billy asked her how the call went, she smiled. It's really exciting, she said. It was a little scary, but I feel like I did good. As her husband kissed her goodbye and walked out the door in his uniform, Brooke imagined what it would be like to leave the house on her, very own, on her own every day, to drive to her own job and get her own paycheck. She opened a small email from the career coach and started filling out her forms. And that's where it ends. The story of Billy and Brooke High. They now have twin daughters, a couple years old. They were 19 when they got pregnant. Uh, Texas had recently passed a, a, a heartbeat bill ahead of the Dobbs decision. And so abortion effectively was illegal in Texas. And 
they couldn't make the 13 hour drive to New Mexico. And so they kept the babies. And obviously, if you heard the whole story, if you haven't, I put the links up. An abortion ban made them teen parents. This is like two years later in the Washington Post. And uh, I got to tell you, I really appreciate this just came out this morning at 6 a.m. I really appreciate that they did this. They put this out there that this young couple was willing to share. And if you heard me earlier, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know that uh, this is something that's a part of our family, uh, has been for the last three years, roughly. And, and it's not easy. And when we implore people, encourage people, challenge people, men and women, moms, dads, to uh, choose life, keep your baby, that's the right thing to do. I haven't backed down from that position at all. And now that we have these two grandsons, man, I, I'm even more pro-life now than I was three years ago. And I was pretty stinking pro-life already, like rock solid. But now my, my pro-life ethic, my pro-life understanding, my, my pro-life heart and mind uh, has a much broader view than it did three years ago because our pro-life chickens came home to roost. And little Paxton, who's a little over two years old, and little Grayson, who just turned eight months old, are beyond my ability to explain as a blessing. But it hasn't come without sacrifice, and it hasn't come without cost, and it hasn't come without trials and tribulations and arguments and tough decisions and financial sacrifice and all the other stuff. And so I, I am just encouraging you, as I've been, the Lord has taken us down this road, to broaden, to expand, to deepen your pro-life ethic, to not end with that decision to keep the baby, which we love to celebrate. But then what comes next? And if you're a parent, you get that. You understand the challenge. If you're a parent and you started the same way that Billy and Brooke high have started you especially know the challenge i know the challenge a little bit but i don't know the challenge like our son and his fiance and, and i would never pretend to nor if this is how your family started i would never presume to know what the challenges you faced but i know a little bit and i thank the lord for that and so as i look at my role here as my role in the classroom is the same i, I I have a story, we have a testimony, and I feel obligated to share a lot of it. There's a line in the sand somewhere that I can't cross, but you become a steward of your challenges, your testimony, your affliction, your disappointments, whatever, and then you try to comfort others with the comfort that you've received from the Lord. That's First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter one. Go read it for yourself. You don't have to get past the first ten verses. And then just ask the Lord, how can I be a part of some other Billy and Brooke High's story to come alongside them with the challenges of keeping the baby. That is a well-rounded pro-life ethic that we should all have. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. Like my dad always used to say, ever forward.